tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. It happened, folks. It happened. It happened in the goddamn middle of the night, too. Goodness gracious, I woke up to go pee at around 6.30 in the morning, and I saw it. This is the bomb. This is the sound of the Shams bomb. Shams dropped that James Harden was finally traded. Ugh. It's uh, We'll break down the details of that, which I am absolutely fired up about. We'll get into this episode's what the fuck moment, including Blue Devils, Cooper Flag. If you don't know who he is, it's okay. No one really does unless they're a hoop head. And finally, I'll look at who's hot and who's cold in the league. Then we have a nice interview with Sam Vecini. Now, let's get into it, William. Drop that generic ass beat that should be Rihanna. We're breaking down all the biggest NBA storylines. You're tuned in. To the Heat Check. The Heat Check with Trista Crick. The best podcast covering all the drama around the association. You know there's only one thing I'm fired up about today. Goodness! The Sixers have finally traded James Harden, but more importantly, the Clippers have traded for James Harden. Oh, God. They did it, too, for a box of spare parts. Not really a box of spare parts, but like no Terrence Mann. They kept saying, oh, oh, we need Terrence Mann in the deal. We need him. And if we don't get him, you're not getting him. And guess what? That was a lie. That was a big fat lie. The 76ers send Harden, P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker? Wow. And uh, the guy who's really not being discussed in this at all is Philippe Petrozev. To the Clippers. Uh, nobody's messing around with him. Marcus Morris, uh, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, son of Kenyon Martin. A 2028 unprotected first-round pick, two second-round picks, a 2029 pick swap, and a, which is an OKC first-round pick. Oh, OKC's first-round pick that it's actually the Clippers. So four role players, two not very valuable first, two second-round picks. So much for Daryl Morey being like, I am getting what I want. I will get back a star player. You better hope you can turn all that into a star player. So many thoughts. I am fired up. I am just absolutely livid for one thing, that they would do this in the middle of the night. Like, how dare they? Honestly. Can we not sleep in peace in October? I, I get that it happens during the deadline. I get that. I expect that. But in October... Folks, please, secondarily, do not be coming into my mention being like, oh, James Harden gets what he wants and Dame Lillard doesn't, and that's why Dame Lillard got fucked by the Blazers. That's just not true. (sighs) So back to the trade. I don't know what to make of it. 
I can see how it makes sense for both sides. At various times, this trade makes sense for the Clippers. And then at other times, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get what the Sixers are doing. This is a, it's like, oh, yeah, like Clippers get P.J. Tucker. They don't have to give up that much. They don't have to give up Terrence Mann. P.J. Tucker's a nice piece. He's been in a bunch of finals, won a championship, hard rock. Like, he's good. I like P.J. Tucker. You get James Harden. Clippers have never had a guy who's a point guard who's gotten more than six assists a game. This makes sense for them. Yeah. And then other times I'm like, man, like, Sixers get all those pieces, huh? All those picks for a guy who's never going to play a game for them? Like, that makes sense. They get rid of P.J. Tucker's contract. Like, they have cap space. It's like that art piece. You know those art pieces that you see and you're like, you, you squint and it's a wrinkled old woman. You're like, oh, yeah, it's a wrinkled old woman. There's something else there. Then you squint again and it's just a big old pair of titties. Like, that's what it is. It's like, is it, <laughs> which one is it? Is it the old woman? Is it the titties? Is it both? Is it neither? I don't know. It's like the magic eye trade of the NBA. It's simultaneously great for both teams and simultaneously good for neither team and simultaneously one team got fucked and I don't know who it is. <laughs> the Clippers, though, for my, I guess, skepticism, the Clippers were playing pretty damn well with Russ as a starter. We know Russ likes being starter. He's, uh, he's one of the guys who was on our, on our hot report before this thing even happened. Shooting over 60% from the field, Russell Westbrook. So you add a heart into the mix. How does that work? How's that going to go? They've already played on two teams together. Alert, alert, if you don't remember, did not go great. Did not go great. The whole reason that Harden left Houston to begin with is because he and Russ flamed the fuck out. And by the way, that was Daryl Morey architecting a team that would fit around them. And guess what? It did not work. How does it work now? that they're in complementary roles. Where does Russell Westbrook fit? They can't be on the floor at the same time. We know that if they're on the floor at the same time, the one that doesn't have the ball just stands there fucking around with the spacing. So does Russ now go to the bench? We know how much he loves coming off the bench. Ask, uh, go back to all those Laker moments where he was very unhappy. On top of that, like, the Clippers are just getting their own first-round picks back after that awful SGA trade to get Paul George. And now that they get first-round picks, they just deal them for a guy who's on an expiring contract and looks kind of washed. On a team that's like, I don't know how any of these players are going to be. Like, none of them play 70 games. None of them are going to even qualify for the 65-game requirement of, a, of an NBA award. Here's what the next five years of draft picks look like for our Clippers. 24 draft pick first to OKC. 25, swap with OKC. 26 to OKC. 27, swap with OKC. 28 to Philly. 29, swap with Philly. These are not serious people, these Clippers. I hate to say it, but I feel like Jerry West is either not being allowed to do his job or he's just not doing his job well. <sighs> so I guess you think this is the last chance that the Clippers can... Really be a contender. The last what-if moment. You give PG a ball handler that's not Reggie Jackson or Terrence Mann or Bones Highland. I mean, certainly James Harden's better than them. But, like, how much? You know, how much? In the playoffs, what's he going to be? 
at first it was like, oh yeah, Clippers got a lot better. And then it's like, oh, is this the titties thing or is it the old woman thing? I don't know. Just feels like a lot of commotion, right? Feels like a lot had to happen in order for them to obviously get bounced out of the first round, the second round, probably by Luca. For the Sixers, it's like, yeah, you get a couple of first round picks. Not great, better than nothing. Guy wasn't ever going to play for you. You get Batum's a really good point of attack defender. You could probably package him to a contender. Who knows? KJ Martin, good young player. Marcus Morris, he's a hard rock. Rocco comes back to the place where it all began. Is it is it the woman or is it the titties? I don't know. Drama is over. You're gonna be able to package it for something usable, maybe. I don't know. You got a lot of you got a lot of cap space. All of that to say, it's like the it's like Harden's kind of like a boat. The best days of having a boat are the are the day that you buy one and the day that you sell one. That's James Harden. So the drama is now over with Harden in Philly. But the question remains, how long until the Clippers get buyer's remorse? Because I'm guessing the over-under on that is four and a half months. Five and a half months. We'll call it the playoffs. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's move on. What the fuck is going on with Cooper Flag? With this Cooper Flag kid? Every day in the NBA, I feel there's this what the fuck moment. I actually just had a production meeting about the what the fuck segment. And it was like, well, you know, probably can't do what the fuck every episode. In the back of my mind, I'm like, you're clearly not an NBA fan. (laughs) Like, you clearly... (laughs) Don't know, because sometimes we can have three in a segment. It could have been what the fuck Clippers, what the fuck Sixers, what the fuck Duke, what the fuck Cooper Flag. We're just going to keep it to Cooper Flag, though. Who is he? If you don't know him, 
I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Because it's, you know, you're not in the recruiting cesspool. You know, you're not in the AAU circuits and the Jonathan Gavonis, Javonis, you know? You're not looking at Draft Express. You're not looking at YouTube highlights of Maine, the Maine White Claws or whatever the fuck his team is. It's okay. In 18 months, you'll know all about him. There's going to be a ton of outlets saying that Cooper Flag is the next thing, is the next best thing since sliced white Wonder Bread. And he is Wonder Bread, boy. I tell you that. 6'8", 16-year-old wing from Maine. Many people think is him. Recruitment was a big deal. Where's he going to go to school? Where's he going to go to school? Is he going to reclassify? Is he going to try to enter the draft? Is he going to go G League Knight? Wherever he landed was going to get the number one coveted recruiting class in college hoops. Did I also mention that Cooper Flagg was whitey? Um, of course he's white, white, of course. His name is Cooper. His first name is Cooper. And, and uh, I didn't have to tell you that, though, did I? Like, let's be real. There's not a, a guy with a first name Cooper that's ever been anything but white. If you can find one. The only Coopers I know are either white or uh, golden retrievers. <laughs> Those are the type of dogs that love the water. We're not done, though. There hasn't been an American-born white player that has been selected number one since, you might be thinking, you might be thinking, who else? Who else? Bill Walton. It's not him. It's Kent fucking Benson in 1977. Nope, you don't know him. I don't know him. I had to do, do a little, get into the lab research. So pop quiz time. Number one hyped wing, white boy, best next thing, blah, 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 gonna be first overall in the NBA draft. Where do you think he decided to go to school? Think it was Grambling? Think it was Kentucky? Think it was Louisville? You know where the fuck Cooper Flagg decided to go to school, don't you? You know, you know where he went to school. If you follow basketball, you know, you know. Say it. Just say it for me. Just say it for me. It's Duke. You know there was no other place on the planet Earth that he could go other than Duke. The pipeline is intact, even after Coach K. But that's not the what the fuck moment. Cooper Flagg going to Duke was obvious, right? It's obvious. But the what the fuck started with the cover magazine slam where Cooper Flag is right there, sitting there on the cover. Go ahead and Google it. I'll wait. You have to see it. There's nothing untoward at first glance with it, right? It's like, oh, yeah, he's posing on the cover. He's got his little finger in his jersey. Like, oh, yeah, what's up? I'm Cooper Flag. I'm going to Duke. And then, then you look at the bottom and it says, Cooper Flagg pledges his allegiance to the Brotherhood. Duke? Duke the Brotherhood? What kind of brotherhood are we talking about, huh? What the fuck, Slam? What the fuck? If that's not enough to be like, I don't know, that's racist. Uh, if that's not enough for you to be like, I don't know about this, go ahead. Click over to the Duke basketball Instagram page. What do you find? You find Cooper Flagg standing in the dark with a pitchfork in his hand that's on fire! That's on fucking fire! You can't make it up. You cannot make it up. What the fuck, Duke? What are you doing? 
What is happening right now? White player, dark gym, burning pitchfork. My first question was, who approved this? Who'd you run this through? Who decided yes? What were the ideas you turned down? It's like Cooper Flag holds a noose. Like, what are we doing? This is horrible. Like, we can't do that. This is insane. This is literally insane. Do you guys want to make Cooper Flag the most unpopular number one pick we've seen? It's not Cooper Flag's fault either. I like Cooper Flag. It's like the first thing's like, oh, that's bad. The second thing is like, oh, that's Charlottesville. Oh, I get it. Like, they had to say, hey, Cooper, pose with your arm out. Why? Because we're going to Photoshop you with a pitchfork that's on fire. And he had to be like, cool. The whole thing's bizarre. It really is. This is one of those things where he's going to be like in 10 years from now. Yeah, like in hindsight, probably not great. You know, probably not an ideal uh, first like entrance to the world. Highlight reels are amazing. There's been a lot of college and high school phenoms that haven't been NBA pros, right? He could very well be an all-star. I like Cooper Flagg. I've done a bunch of, oh, shit, Cooper Flagg is him moments at the crib by myself at 2 a.m. when I'm laying in bed. Is he him? I don't know. But I tell you what, how this is being handled, it's not great. It's not great. A lot of landmines out there. Hopefully Cooper Flagg doesn't get caught by any shrapnel. All of that to say... What the fuck were they doing with the Cooper flag rollout? You're hot, then you're cold. The next thing you'll know. I can't use the music because they tell me it's illegal. So we're just going to do that. This week on Hot and Cold, it's your NBA thermometer. It's the weather report. We were going to start with hot. We were going to start with Russ. Russell Westbrook is now Brook and not Brick. Somehow, someway, he has started the season shooting 60% from the field. Could have gone with Tobias Harris, shooting so well, 67% from the field, and Nick Nurse legit said in his presser that he needs to run more plays for Tobias Harris. <laughs> Doc Rivers would be rolling in his broadcasting grave right now. Could have gone with Derek Lively, started his career just basically making every shot that he takes, 86% from the field. But no. We got to talk about a guy that moves the needle, guy that's absolutely cooking. The older he gets, the better he is. I'm not talking about LeBron either. We've got a guy who's just cooking up in the kitchen. Mr. Chef Curry himself, a literal Hall of Famer, never had a start like this in his entire career, single-handedly carrying his team that is kind of struggling in other places of the game. Steph, Steph, Night, night, sleep mask, Steph Curry. Oh, yes, baby, the chef is cooking. So he had a bit of like a mid-start to the season opener. Our dubs coughed up a late lead to the Suns. He still had 27, but like, you know, you expect more from chef. Eight for 18 shooting, only four for 14 from three. He wasn't the reason they lost, of course. He never is. Uh, Andrew Wiggins was four for 12. Chris Paul, four for 15. Clay, six for 18. Pretty mediocre performance from the team. And let's be real, they rolled out. I'm pretty sure they rolled out Devin Booker. And they rolled out Kevin Durant. So, I mean, it is what it was. Steph, though, must have been here. And he loves to hear people chirp. 
because he has gone absolutely nuclear. He is hot, hot. He put up 41, 24, and 42 in three straight Warriors wins. Tough Kings team. One of those, you know, game seven performances from Steph. He was 14 for 19, 70% from three in a game where nobody else had more than 18 points. The Rockets, he legitimately clowned Dylan Brooks, crossed him up so bad so many times, reproducing the iconic Luca smiling meme. It was ugly, folks. His 24 that game led all the Warriors, and again, nobody else had 20. Our dubs blew out the Pels. Chef Curry cooked it up again. Cook it up in the kitchen. 42 on 15 for 22, 7 for 13 from 3. No other Warrior had more than 13 points. My man is carrying this team. We're going to talk about MVP voting, MVP awards on Friday. I tell you what, you might want to sprinkle a little money on it now because it might not be there by Friday. This is supposed to be a team loaded with scorers. Yet, not one other player other than Steph is scoring over 20. He's averaging 34, 5, and 4. This is the best start to Steph's career. He is 35 right now. 35. Someone posted this. Steph is demonstrably better at 35 than he was at 30. Was LeBron better at 35 than he was at 30? Because I don't think anyone would say that. That is no shade against LeBron who is incredible, but he did not get better as he aged to his 30s, and Steph is getting better, so he is what is hot, 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 like fish grease right now. On the other side, who's cold? Ice cold! Who's colder than being cold? There's so many damn candidates. You got Peyton Pritchard. He signed a four-year, $30 million extension, and and he's rewarded the Celtics by shooting 15% from the field, 10% from three. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. That's not good. LaMelo Ball hasn't made more than four field goals in a game this year. Could be him. It's not him. Julius Randle seems to have further regressed, shooting 28% from the field so far this season. But you know who's cold? Who's colder than being cold? Ice cold. You know, you can't give the award to anyone else, but Ice Trey. Ice Trey Young. Trey Young is cold, boy. He is shooting on average 18 times a game. How many shots do you think he's making? Guess. It's not 10. It's not 10. That wouldn't be that cold, would it? Five shots a game for Trey Young. Over four games, Trey Young averaging five shots. Five for 18? Oh, my goodness. The Hawks are still 2-2. Two and two. How is it? I don't know. I don't know. DeJounte Murray's going crazy. Trey Young is bad right now. I'm sorry, Trey. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. He's also averaging four turnovers a game. That magnifies the bad shooting. How bad has he been? Sports Illustrated ran an article entitled, No, It's Not Time to Panic About Trey Young which is maybe the most I think it's time to panic about Trey Young article that you can get if you're a Hawks fan. So they asked Trey, hey, Trey, tell us about your struggles. <laughs> tell us about your struggles, Trey. And he goes, sometimes when guys are tired, you can forget things. Your mind can go different places. We got to learn how to play with certain movements and certain signals that we have, voice calling, <laughs> 
There's a lot of things we have, but it is just going to take time and reps and reps and reps of us doing it for where it needs to be for us to win. What is he saying there? Does anybody know? I don't understand that quote. Are you saying that the team is fucking up and you're doing everything fine? That would be very on brand, but also that was a convoluted ass quote. The question though is, Trey, how are you doing though? Well, I'm getting assists, but I mean, I am turning the ball over and some of that is playing through contact and the ref's not calling that. And that is leading to bad shots that are going off the glass that I'm getting fouled on, but not getting the call. So I guess I just have to play through that. Oh, I get it. You're doing everything right as on schedule, but your teammates are fucking up and you're not getting the calls. So that's why it looks like you're playing worse than you actually are. Yeah, I think it's more than just Trey Young is cold. I think all of Atlanta is cold. And one thing we know, Trey Young is going to try to chuck his way out of the cold streak. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Woo! Noted NBA guru from the Athletic San Vicini comes on. He joins me and my co-host Ryan Horvath and Nick Ashu on my show, BitMGM Tonight. Do you know I have another show? Yeah, I know. I work a lot. It's from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. I know that's too much work, but I'd love it if you gave us a follow and uh, subscribe on uh, on the podcast. But also, if you have it, listen right in. All right, we bring on Sam Vecini. The Athletic covers the NBA, and uh, I, I guess it's it's pretty. It would be dumb of me not to mention the biggest story in the NBA today, and that would be James Harden. Well, I guess it's today. It's yeah, it was early this morning. God, I don't know. At this point, it just feels like it's been the longest day ever when it comes to this thing, which I'm sure for you as well, especially considering that you're in Australia right now. Uh, just let's go big reaction first to where we are, Sixers, where we are, Clippers right now, because uh, to me, I feel like everybody has maybe a slightly different take on you know what the Clippers gave back what the future is for the Sixers what the future is for the Clippers so where are you on the overall big picture from what you've now seen with this hey guys yeah I would say that the big picture is the Clippers are trying to win a title right now and James Harden represents a real way for them to get better this is a team that needs real playmaking and it needs a stronger point guard in my opinion who can be more of a shot creator for himself so what James Harden is going to bring to the table is the ability to create easier offense, especially in the moments where one of Kawhi Leonard or Paul George isn't on the court. So Kawhi and Paul George, obviously, throughout the course of their run with the Clippers, have missed a lot of time. And I think that the biggest thing that going out and getting James Harden does is it minimizes how disastrous it is for the Clippers offensively 
when one of these, those two guys misses games, right? So if you now have James Harden who can come in and be whatever you think of James Harden in the playoffs, that's fine. You know, he has more than earned any skepticism that people have for him in playoff settings. It's a guy that can come in and be a 20-point, 10-assist guy. We just saw him do it last year in Philadelphia and be a high-level playmaker and distributor who lifts their offense in the moments where Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are out of the lineup. And hopefully getting James Harden allows you to keep them out of the lineup a little bit more often and hopefully get them to the playoffs healthy and at their best uh, peak physical condition. One of the reasons that this trade almost didn't get done, Sam, is because the Clippers were just not willing to let go of Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann, not exactly like the youngest dude. I think he's 27. Uh, from from your vantage point, what do they see in him, Terrence Mann, that kept him out of that hardened trade? Yeah, so I, I've always really liked Terrence, even going back to Florida State. And I think what they see in him is a guy that can be a – genuine dribble pass shoot player who's a well-rounded fifth option on a court around stars right and those guys at 10 million dollars which is right around what Terrence Mann makes for both this year and next year those guys are pretty hard to find they're a little bit harder than what people think now like did I think it was like somewhat ridiculous on its face that Terrence Mann was seemingly the piece that was holding up a James Harden deal yeah I do I think that at the end of the day, I probably would have tried to do it the way that they ended up doing it, where it seems like the Thunder, you know, gave up one of those picks back to the Clippers. The Clippers gave them back like a pick swap kind of thing uh, in order to facilitate this deal. I think that that makes more sense than giving up Terrence Mann, given that Terrence Mann is a guy that has proven in the playoffs that he can help you. Uh, but look, I, I understand that on its face when you just look at it from a 50,000 foot view it, it looks pretty stupid I get it <laughs> if if Daryl Morey was the one doing the, this deal because it looks like you know ownership was who was involved Josh Harris and and Steve Ballmer getting on the phone does this deal happen is it done today I think yes because at the end of the day what it seems like Daryl Morey wanted were the two draft picks and to get off of the P.J. Tucker deal in a James Harden deal. So with that, with those goals having been accomplished, I think, yes, this still would have gotten done. And I think that, you know, owners are always involved when a deal of James Harden's magnitude happens, right? So I look at it in... I look at it as the Sixers are trying to gear up in order to go get another star, be it this offseason when they have, you know, all of the cap room in the world, even with being able to retain Tyrese Maxey, or maybe during the season if the right player comes available, right? And because Tyrese Maxey has broken out in the way that he has, he's averaging 30 points a game, he looks phenomenal, I think that they have some time to be a little bit more patient in how they approach going to get a star. But really, this was all about the assets for Maury and for the Sixers, I think. So all they all that mattered here was getting the assets, and they got the assets. 
Sam, when you look at the Western Conference, obviously this all comes down to matchups once we do get to the playoffs, and we haven't been able to see the Clippers yet with, uh, obviously, James Harden. We haven't even been able to see the Suns fully healthy with you know Durant, Beal, and Booker. But who do you think matches up the best against a team like Denver? Because, I mean, it seems like so easy just to back Denver to repeat as champions, but you watch them. I know it's early on. They just look as good as they did last year. Who do you think matches up the best out of those three veteran teams, uh, both L.A.'s and then Phoenix? Yeah, I think definitely Denver is like the unequivocal favorite right now. If I had to pick one of those teams, you know, I'm intrigued by the Clippers just having an immense amount of wing depth to be able to throw at the Nuggets, just insofar as they have Zubas as a big body, they can throw at Jokic. They can try and slow him down in some way, shape, or form. And then hopefully you're in a circumstance where Contavious Caldwell-Pope is guarding one of Kawhi or Paul George, and then you can maybe get, like, a real size advantage there to be able to score. I, I Honestly, like, I think I'm, like, grasping a little bit. I think Denver should be the very clear favorite. But if you made me pick one, I think I would – matchup-wise, I'm intrigued by the Clippers. We saw the Lakers last year, which really, like, kind of turns me off of that potential matchup. I think the Lakers – are still the team I would bet on to be the second best team in the West just because of their defense and I think that once Austin Reeves maybe gets a little bit of rest uh, he might be able to come in and be the guy that we saw in the playoffs last year for them and once their team coalesces and you know all of these guys they brought in from Torian Prince uh, to Jackson Hayes to Christian Wood etc be able to come together I think that team's going to be really really good defensively and offensively along with Anthony Davis and LeBron James so I would probably still take the Clippers just in terms of a matchup, but I, you know, the Lakers to me are like the number two team in the West still, personally. Talking to Sam Vecini, BetMGM tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at most improved player odds right now at BetMGM, and Tyrese Maxey is the heavy favorite. Scotty Barnes, Cam Thomas are behind him. Cade Cunningham, I still love him at ten to one. Are we? Like, we've kind of already, I feel like we've gotten to the point where, and most improved player is kind of weird in terms of how players can win it, the types of players that can win it. Is Tyrese Maxey in a position now where he's obviously going to get even more minutes, more shots, more opportunities with James Harden gone in Philadelphia? Is he somebody that you think still has the potential, the chance to actually win this award? Or has he kind of already shown, like, the guy that like has taken that next big step to win most improved already? Well, I think that his step came this season really like he's averaging 30 a game if he goes out and averages 26 27 a night over the course of the full season I think he's going to win it because the narrative is going to be behind him as the guy that oh they were able to move James Harden and set themselves up for the future because Tyrese Maxey improved so much right Uh, I like the Cade Cunningham idea I think him at 10 to 1 is a really good idea but honestly like he's probably would have been pretty close to this good last year. It's just that he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Scotty Barnes, I think, has a real chance to be successful. You know, you're right. This award is so strange and bizarre just in terms of the guy that, like, I think I've seen this year who's, like, taking the biggest leap from where he was last year to where he is now is probably, like, the Hawks' Jalen Johnson, where he's gone from being, like, the ninth man on the team to now he's probably their third or fourth best player in Atlanta, uh, he has no chance to win this award, I think, because he doesn't have a big enough name. He's not going to put up, like, the immense number of points that Tyrese Maxey is. But Tyrese Maxey's already averaged 20. It's just that the narrative is going to be behind Tyrese Maxey. So 
I, I get annoyed by the most uh, improved player award mm-hmm. typically. I think it's a little bit frustrating to deal with. Uh, but I think Maxie is probably the guy that will win it just because unless he gets hurt, the narrative is going to be there that he was the guy that they were able to move James Harden uh, and build around. We had you on right before the draft. We were talking to you about the Brandon Miller scoot two and three scenario. I don't know if you're seeing it, but the scoot slander is getting ridiculous. Meanwhile, Brandon Miller looks pretty damn productive off the bench. Uh, In your opinion, why do you think Brandon Miller has been so much more productive early than scoot? And, and like, what is your take on whether we should be killing scoot this early? Yeah. So I I think Brandon's in an easier spot right now. Uh, He's not being tasked with, running an offense he's being tasked with uh being like the secondary guy out there who is creating offense as a shooter and as a floor spacer uh he's done a good job getting out in transition and i think brandon has played super well so far uh he played great in the fourth quarter of their opener and i thought that his first half last night against brooklyn was quite strong but it's coming waves for brandon like i didn't think he played super well in the second half last night against brooklyn and his first three quarters of his opener were quite poor. So it's going to be hit or miss for all of these rookies. For Scoot so far, I think it's been a lot more of a miss. And the only reason for that, I think, is because he's being tasked with running an NBA team as a teenager. That's really hard. You go back and you look through some of the best guards in the league, Lamella Ball was like a clear negative player. Uh you know, Darius Garland was like one of the most negative players in the league, uh, value-wise, as a rookie, just because it's really difficult to do this. It's really, really hard. I thought Scoot played super well last night. He had 11 points, seven assists, four rebounds, but more than that, like he defended. I thought he screened super well in moments where he got an opportunity to do that. I, I think Scoot played really, really well last night, and I think that a big thing for him is just going to be slowing down the over he looks like over stimulated like over aggressive right now like he's fouling everybody like he's averaging like five fouls a game right now and it just feels like everything's coming at him really quickly once that slows down it's very clear that he has the athletic juice like he's separating he's getting to his spots it's just that everything's coming fast and there's not a there's not a uh, you know a replacement for experience Right. So once that experience comes, Scoot's going to be fine. Yeah. Everything I've seen so far says it's just, it's just experience for him right now. Sam, we still got about 90 seconds or so here. We're watching the Knicks up 14 on the Cavs right now in the third quarter. Can either one of these teams maybe jump into that third spot in the East behind the very top heavy uh, Eastern Conference with Milwaukee and Boston, obviously the clear co favorites right now to win the East? Look, I think those two are definitely going to be your top two at least. Uh, you know, Cleveland, I think, is in a weird spot. Like, they played a lot of the kids in this game against the Knicks. Like, Imani Bates got uh, got some run. Like you said, Craig Porter got some run there momentarily. They just need to get healthy as much as anything and get, you know, Jared Allen fully back integrated and, you know, get their guards uh, well-situated for success. Like, once that happens, I feel pretty good about Cleveland being a great regular season team, if only just because they have – uh, they have the great defense mixed with the shot creation, plus they have a real floor spacer in Max Struess. I think the Knicks are a very, very well situated, too, to be a good playoff team. 
if Tyrese Maxey is this, Philadelphia is well situated, and you know they could end up being the three seed. But I don't think anybody's going to break into that top two, at least personally. Sam Vecini, the athletic host of the Game Theory podcast, as well. Really appreciate you giving us the time, man. Yeah, no worries. Anytime, guys. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Thank you to Sam Vecini and the whole gang at BetMGM tonight. Come back tomorrow for an all-new episode and follow us. Download, subscribe, tell your friends. If you haven't talked to someone recently, just be like, hey, W-Y-A. And they're like, huh? It's like, hey, have you seen the heat check? Every single damn one of them, even that goober from high school you haven't spoken to in 14 years, call them, text them, tell them, I hope you're all good. Also, have you heard the new heat check? Uh, follow us on social at this heat check and at Trista Crick on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time. 